Hey everyone, and welcome to another Yogi Misfit Sessions. My name is Danny Palmplune, and I am your host. Today's session is actually our Fierce Calm collaboration. If you guys have not heard about Fierce Calm yet, they are an amazing online platform. They pretty much just take people and share their uh, how yoga saved and changed their lives. I've been featured on it before and a bunch of other really cool, awesome people. Everyone that, that's on there is uh, really awesome. In today's episode, we have Chris Pace on the show and we start to get into how obviously yoga changes life, but he's got a really cool story. He suffered from PTSD and they basically told him that he was kind of a lost case and has now been practicing and teaching for quite a while now and, and yoga's really saved and changed his life as always if you guys love the show please leave a review on itunes it really helps the show grow and gets more listeners out there and lets us know what we're doing and it provides us more space to uh, share these really awesome uh, fierce calm stories as well so go show us some love on itunes without further ado here comes the show Chris Pace, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful, Danny. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited. You're actually, um, you are the first person on the podcast that I have got to talk to about like PTSD and like veteran affairs and all that fun stuff. So like, I am really, really, really stoked to have you on the show. And, I mean, you're one, you're a cool dude in person, but two, you've got a really, really, really rad story. Well, thanks so much, man. I look forward to sharing it with as many people as possible. Let's uh, let's dive on in. So tell me, so, okay, so let's get a little background. You, I know you're a veteran and you had some stuff, you know, come through that. My sister was um, in the army and she also, you know, went through, uh, she went through her, her own version of, you know, going through it all. And, and she found her way back through actually dance, competitive ballroom dancing is how she bounced back. But You've got a journey in yoga. Let's. I want to hear about it, man. How did how did how did this all start? So the uh, the journey began about twenty years ago, uh, mm -hmm. a little longer than that, actually. When I uh, enlisted into the military, I went in in '96, and uh, was immediately sent overseas. And uh, while I was stationed overseas, you know, I um, had my own stories, my own uh, issues, my own things go on. One of which was a traumatic brain injury that I suffered while I was over there. Um, and it was, it was severe enough to, uh, to cause me to be unconscious and to lose memory and to have some long-term, uh, issues that go along with it, including psychological issues. And, uh, and then as I came back from the service and found my way back to the States, you know, I tried to, to reinsert myself back into an everyday routine in the civilian world. Um, you know, I tried to go back to college and do the college degree thing and, uh, find my way through there. And it was a slow and arduous process after that injury and was, was very challenging for me. Uh, but I was seeking help through the VA, as I think most veterans do when they have issues, mm -hmm. um, which led me down this long path of just confusion and, uh, and frustration, really. And it's not to say there's anything wrong with the VA system, because it's not their job to be able to figure out what it is we need. Uh, they do the best they can with what they have to work with. And I realize now that it was my responsibility to find my way back. And so, you know, sought a bunch of different things through athletics, through fitness, through health and wellness to try to keep myself in good shape. Um, but eventually just became so frustrated with everything, uh, including the VA system, uh, the medical drugs they had given me, which was a ton of different pills. What did uh, they tell you exactly? Were they just like, sorry, not sorry, here's some drugs and call it a day? 
So the way that it is, is it's set up as a system to help you, but only if you're capable of helping yourself. And the big battle that I was battling with for a number of years was pain versus psychological issues. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult for a psychiatrist to diagnose or help you with any type of mental issues if you are also struggling from pain. Because I suffered a traumatic brain injury, the pain that I suffered from was also head and neck related, which makes it even more difficult for a psychiatrist. Mm. And so their struggle is, you know, which do you fix first? Do you fix the mental issues, the PTSD, or do you fix the head injury issues if those are even repairable? Or are you just treating two totally different things that just happen to be in the same region of the the body? And so back and forth to the doctor, you know, in my late 20s and early 30s, I would be at a, a hospital or a clinic four and five times a week, uh, being evaluated, being treated with different medications, pills, diagnoses, and all different other things that they come up with. And at the end of the day, I guess after about 10 years of them feeding me a ton of different pills, trying to get me to a level of balance, you know, there was a day where I remember going to my doctor and, and he was a psychiatrist at the time. And he looked at me and said, Chris, you're, you're a helpless case. And it was the first time anybody had ever said something like that to me. And I realized at that point that he, they were basically washing their hands free of me. They had no idea what to do. And probably rightfully so. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't doing very well as far as their treatment was concerned. Right. So I quit it all. I walked away from everything, the medications, the doctors, the hospitals, the visits, and uh, started looking into stuff myself. I wanted to figure out what it was that made me work properly and what it was that made me work improperly. And so against all advice from the VA, um, you know, I ended up going down my own path and I started educating myself on food and nutrition, um, juicing, uh, the benefits of actually eating organic versus non-organic, uh, even as far as like meat versus vegetarianism. And over the years, I, uh, I've refined my diet and learned how to take care of myself and then slowly but surely, uh, found myself dealing with my neck issues, which I have cervical issues from a head injury. Mm-hmm. And, um, and found myself in front of a neurosurgeon who wanted to replace the discs in my neck. And I was Oh, <laughs> dude. There was, there was no fusion available. There was just either. And I was having to have epidural injections into my neck um, pretty frequently just to keep myself moving and to be out of pain. So that was obviously wow, a, a giant <laughs> eye-opening position where I was like 33. And they said, we want to take two discs out of your neck put these rubber discs in there with these metal ball bearings. And I'm just like beside myself, right? Like that's not how I'm going to live the rest of my life. Right. So the doctor said, well, you have one other option. You're young enough that if you can find a way to build your core and create space and lengthen out your spine with a healthy way, then you might be able to put off the surgery for another 20, 30 years. Mm. Um, So I went home, I Googled, you know, how to create length in the spine and create more core stability and strength and uh, yoga. (laughs) Yoga. (laughs) (laughs) So as I, uh, as I began to seek yoga, um, I had always practiced, but only like with the mindset of, uh, of that it was good for your body to stretch. And that there, you know, that people really got into it, but I really didn't understand what it was about. I didn't understand that there was eight limbs and that there was a lifestyle attached to it. Sure. So I was just interested in the flexibility. Um, so I found my way into the practice. I dedicated myself to it where I practiced every single day, at least an hour a day um, and just committed to it. And it became a way of life for me where I just 
became devout to my practice. And um, that included meditation, that included discipline, that included each and every aspect, you know, pranayama learning about how much I could possibly take back control of my own life and deal with the things that I need to deal with, as well as self-diagnose and evaluate my body without somebody else trying to figure out what was wrong with me. So mm -hmm. um, it became this really cool journey for me. And I found acceptance with where I was and I found acceptance for where I had to go through. And, I've, uh, and I learned to, to be at peace with everything that I was battling with for so many years and I think one of the biggest and most difficult things for a veteran coming back with issues um, and PTSD and those types of things is trying to find that peace and trying to make peace with what they've done where they've been what they've seen and how they can kind of like start over again and uh, and that was a huge pivotal thing for me so as with anything the um, you know the journey of yoga you get involved you practice a lot you spend the time the dedication and for me, like I said, it was only to keep myself from having to have that surgery and to allow myself to be able to have a quality of life. <laughs> so a few years went by um, after I began practicing daily and, uh, and I got offered to teach and I was completely resistant to it. I didn't want anything to do with teaching yoga. That was not the journey that I was on. My journey was just about self-discovery and repair and learning the most I could learn about myself. But it was posed to me that that was the selfish way of living and that the only thing that I really could do to keep growing as an individual would be to share my experiences and what I've learned from about myself from myself with other people. How hard was that to start doing that? Because I'm sure while you're going through it, it's not necessarily, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I, I would assume it's not necessarily like the first thing that you want to go to. It's like, okay, it's time to tell everybody this. You know what I mean? You have to kind of build yourself up to get there, no? Yeah, it, it was a real struggle for me. And, and in the beginning, it was definitely a battle of, of, of okay, well, how, how strong am I really? You know, am I capable of talking about my stuff? And am I going to actually help anyone? Or is this just, is this just a, you know, an effort and futility type thing? And, and I battled back and forth where, you know, there were days where I would come in and teach and I would keep it very like asana based, you know, like let's do poses and postures. And the, uh, the person that encouraged me to start teaching said, Chris, the more vulnerable you can be with your students, the more they will relate to you and the more powerful your teaching will affect them and be able to change lives. And so I was encouraged to be more and more vulnerable. And I mean, and, and what ended up happening was because it wasn't what I wanted to do and I was resistant to that, sharing my stories with people, mm -hmm. it became healing in its own right because I was forcing myself to talk about things that I never wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. And now not only was I talking about them with people, I was talking about them in front of a large group of my peers. Ah, uh, yeah, totally. And that, that became extremely difficult, but it, what ended up happening from it was that I would have one person come up to me and say, hey, Chris, you know, my son just left the army. And he's really struggling. He's in drugs, alcohol. He's having a really hard time. Can you talk to him? Mm -hmm. And it was all I needed was that one person, you know, that one person to, to, for me to realize that what I was doing could actually make a difference, could help somebody. And I always tell my students all the time as a teacher, you know, I'm not anyone's yoga teacher. I am my own yoga teacher. Uh, I only am here to share what I've learned about myself from myself with them so that hopefully they can become their own yoga teachers. Um, there's nothing that I can teach anyone about yoga other than what I've learned about it from myself. And so it's only my experiences that I'm sharing with them. 
And, um, and after I talked to this young man and kind of gave him some insight and help, it really, uh, really made me realize that there was something to this. And so for the next year or two, I taught a bunch of yoga classes and became really into the aspect of sharing, teaching, being vulnerable, talking about my issues publicly, and also having people come to me and say, wow, man, that was amazing. You know, I've, I've never had anybody share that kind of experience with me. Uh, let alone in such a beautiful way where it's, you know, not from a place of anger, not from a place of frustration, but uh, just from a place of love. What did it feel like for you to transition from, okay, I'm going to stick to the anatomy stuff. And then now I'm going to start like, I mean, what did it feel like for you to start sharing? Like to really you know, put yourself out there. You're literally just, I mean, straight up Hanuman, you're giving your heart out to somebody. It was, it was absolutely 100% that, and, and, and I, I've sort of figured out something about my yoga practice that I love, is that um, people really admire the handstand, and that's something that is, is, is driven towards in a practice of yoga, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, and I understand why. It's a, it's a very beautiful thing to, to establish and to gain in your practice, but for me, um, attaining balance and attaining alignment and, and being able to completely balance on feet as well as on hands um, was something that I wanted. It wasn't so much about the handstand itself. It was more about the fact that I wanted to feel balanced. Uh, that so makes sense. For me, seeking balance, which in order for me to find balance, I had to do it physically. So the asana side of things. I also mm-hmm. had to find it spiritually. So the teaching side of things, the being vulnerable and talking, and then also mentally. So I had to you know, be able to, to put all these pieces together. And that's what created the most balanced scenario for me. It was also very... Um, difficult to ever go back because I was sharing so much and putting myself out there. So, so on such a big scale mm-hmm. that I was, um, that it, it forced me to keep going forward. And, and I always tell people all the time that the reason why I continue to push into my, I'm in my forties now, I'm 41 years old, but the reason why I continue to push and do deeper handstands and longer holds and stronger positioning isn't because of popularity or growth it's because i don't have a choice i have to keep going forward because mm-hmm. if i let off the gas then i could end up in surgery or i could end up with a lot of really big deep problems i see so as i keep moving forward you can't move backwards and right. so i've found this nice balance in my life where it creates the opportunity for me to uh, to help others as well as to help myself and as long as i stay focused on that journey then i seem to uh, seem to always keep coming out in a really good spot do you ever or did you ever go through like the who am I to be doing this and who am I to be sharing this stuff and trying to take all these people people under my wing and you know like did you ever go through that at all or was it just really seamless like this is what I'm supposed to be doing no it was definitely and it still is to this day there's a million times in my daily routine that I'll go through a practice or that I'll go through my life and I'll find myself frustrated or in a situation where I won't handle it perfectly and you know, I'll find myself, okay, am I still supposed to be teaching? Am I still supposed to be sharing? And, mm-hmm. and I think it's that ability to understand that we are imperfect and that we all have flaws and that nobody's out there is carrying around this perfect image and sharing it with others. But, <laughs> People pretend to be. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's Thanks, Instagram. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, you know, that's definitely one of those things to me that, and maybe it comes from a different perspective where, you know, I advise people, hey, listen, don't don't listen to me because I do cool handstands. I am not enlightened because of my <laughs> handstands. You know? And just because someone has a deep back bend doesn't mean they should be giving you advice on how to live your life. You know, right. it's just not the way it works. But sure. unfortunately, you're right. Social media has 
has definitely twisted things up and made it very. I always say you can you can be great at handstand and still be an asshole. <laughs> exactly, that's exactly right. And there's a lot of people that are. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, totally. Yeah. And they call it yoga. It's like there's there's so much more. The hand, like, listen, it's not about the handstand. It's how you're treating yourself on the way to handstand. What happens while you're there, and then what happens on the way out, whether that's you falling or whether you sticking a landing or whatever it is, but it's your mindset and how you're treating yourself throughout the entire process. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's very well said. I mean, the, some of the, the most memorable moments I have in a handstand are when I've fallen yeah. and I've caught myself or had to pick myself back up. And it's not because I did the most amazing handstand. It's because I was able to pick myself back up, dust myself off with a smile on my face and realize that falling down is a part of life. And we do that in order to learn how to pick ourselves back up. And, you know, some people are really horrible at that, which is why they never do a handstand. <laughs> what, so, do you yeah, think, what do you think your life would, would have been like without yoga? Or have you ever imagined that? Like, what would I be doing without this? My life was nothing but violence. Um, as somebody who was served in the military, who was also a fighter, who also had a very rough and abusive uh, upbringing as a child, everything that I knew up in my life was just anger and violence. Mm. And I can only imagine that had I not found yoga and found a way to breathe and relax, I definitely wouldn't be the father that I am to my kids. I wouldn't be the friend that I am to my friends. And I sure wouldn't be the human being that I am today. So it's, it's offered me peace and balance in a world that never had peace nor balance for me. Um, and that's what I share with people. What do you, um, what do you say to, and, and I get it, you know, whatever it is that you, you, what is, whatever it is that you, you need to find your way, like, you know, go for it. You know, again, like my sister, my sister was in the army. Uh, she jumped out of, um, helicopters and pretty much parachuted and did medical stuff on, on the ground. Um, and you know, she found dance, right? It was like, the, that's what she does now is competitive ballroom dancing. And it was her, it was her way to heal through the PTSD and everything. What, what do you say to someone that is coming out of the service and is struggling and, you know, I, I understand you from as much as my perspective, like I understand, like it is easy to turn to drugs and alcohol. What do you say to that person that just wants to go and, and, pick up the bottle and go pop some pills? Well, I think the number one thing that I teach my children and my students is, is if you want to be something in this life, anything that that is, if you want to be a radio DJ, then go find a successful radio DJ and do what they're doing. Mm -hmm. If you want to be happy and healthy, go find someone who's happy and healthy, do what they're doing. If you want to be rich and famous, go find someone who's rich and famous and do what they're doing. If you want to be drunk and on drugs, go find someone who's doing that and you'll figure out your way. The same thing holds true with coming back from the service with issues. If you want to heal your life, find somebody, seek somebody. There are many of us out there who are doing something differently than what we have been shown as the way to go. You know, 22 veterans a day commit suicide in America right now. Wow. And that's an astronomical number. That's more than 700 of our military men and women coming back from war and cannot handle being back. Um, that is an axe. That's a number that we should not be ignoring and turning our heads to. But I agree, we have yeah. to also create more avenues for these people to realize there's other options. And those other options are available to everyone. And mm -hmm. most of them are free at no cost and are available just to be able to take. So hopefully there becomes a new trend um, in the near future that's going to start swinging things in a different direction that's going mm -hmm. to allow people to have to see that that choice is out there. 
Man, I, I, I mean, I've had some pretty cool guests on the show. I'm always thankful that I get to spend time just really hearing these really amazing stories. And yours by far has just, I've never heard anything like it. And even your perspective and the way that you've come out swinging from it is, I'm just, I, I, listen, brother, I'm just so glad that you found yoga and that you are here. And I have no doubt in my mind that if and when I, I get to meet you in person, your class is going to affect me just as much as you affect everybody that you come in contact with. Your Your voice is so loudly heard and wide received. And, and I think, you know, more of that, the more that we can talk about this stuff and normalize this conversation, the more the stigma, the more the shame goes away, and we start to recognize that we're not alone. So I'm just so stoked that you're here with us today. And, and too, that you have found yoga and have have not only integrated into your life, your family's life, but also everyone that you just meet. So thank you for sharing your gifts and, and your talents and for, for just being so vulnerable and putting it out there. Yeah, man, I appreciate the platform and always the chance to uh, to reach more people. And so very grateful. And I look forward to many more chances to uh, to chat with you. And for the next part of the show, we're going to share and feature some stories that shed some light on how yoga really has some transformative effects and its ability to heal others. The first story comes from Shannon Liebel. She's got a powerful story about how yoga has saved her life multiple times. Hi, my name is Shannon. I am a yoga teacher. I own a yoga studio in Stateline, Nevada. And this is a little story about how yoga saved my life. Not once, but um, multiple times. Um, I took my first yoga class in July of 2005. And I know that specifically because uh, my first yoga class was the day after my grandpa had died. He had been the only male figure I had ever looked up to. And he was gone. And so I wasn't quite sure what to do that following day. I took off work. Um, I'd heard some things about yoga and how it was life-changing and how it helped clear your mind. And I figured at this point it was worth a shot. Um, so I went to a yoga class at my local gym. I don't specifically remember the class, but I do remember I kind of started to light a fire uh, of a love for yoga that I now have. So for the next couple of years, I dabbled in and out. I took a few classes here and there. Um, and then in 2010, I moved to Virginia and a lot of my life had changed at that point. I moved from Colorado to Virginia. Uh, I had given up my house, my jobs, pretty much this amazing life that I had created for myself. Um, and when I moved out there, things were a lot different. So I think I tried to immerse myself in something just so that I could get my mind off of everything. And uh, there happened to be a special on yoga classes. So uh, I went to the studio, Hot House Yoga, and that kind of became my second home. I would take at least one or two classes a day. Um, absolutely fell in love with it. And during that time, I also got very active into running, and so I would run all these races. And um, when I was a kid, I had been diagnosed with a heart condition. So I always knew I had had this, but you kind of just figure, eh, it's, you know, it's just a heart condition. They're not doing anything about it. It'll be fine. Um, and so I ended up going to a cardiologist out there and it was right before I was supposed to run my first half marathon. And, um, my cardiologist pretty much told me I wasn't going to run my half marathon, which I adamantly, uh, denied. And I still ran it anyways. Um, 
But in talking to him, he said that my heart condition had worsened and it wouldn't be a good idea for me to run any longer of a distance than a 5K, which to me was a pretty boring race. So um, at that point, I it was kind of an eye opener. And because I was so involved in yoga at the time, um, it also made me realize that yoga was something that was sustainable, that I would be able to do for my entire life, no matter what kind of condition my health was in, because there's so many aspects of yoga that I could bring into my life. So I think I dove in a little bit heavier after that uh, conversation with my cardiologist. And I ended up uh, getting certified as a 200 hour teacher in Virginia Beach. Um, and then in 2013, I moved to Lake Tahoe, which is where I currently live. And when I moved here, I had gotten to the point where I knew I still wanted to run races, but the 5Ks were getting kind of boring. So I really dove into the Spartan races. So any type of obstacle races where I could uh, do the pull-ups, do the rope climbs, do all that good stuff, uh, just to make it a little bit more exciting for me. So in 2016, I decided to go for it. And I think I signed up for about nine or 10 obstacle races that year. So it was close to about one a month. Um, and I ran the Spartan race at Squaw. So that was in September or October. It was my second to last race of the year. And at the end of the year, I was coughing up, or at the end of the race, I was coughing up blood. Uh, so I kind of knew something was up. So I went to my cardiologist and they did the stress test, put me on the treadmill and they took me off the treadmill pretty quickly and said, all right, it's time to do surgery. So uh, that, was, <laughs> that was a little bit of a shock. I guess I kind of always knew it was coming at some point just because I had been diagnosed as a kid and I had been watched, but I guess you just never think something like that's gonna happen to you. So the surgery was scheduled for April 10th, 2017 and Leading up to it, um, I'm really thankful that I had yoga in my life. I had opened my studio in June of 2016, so I hadn't even been open for a year yet, um, but I was teaching a lot. I have an amazing community at my studio that has been my world, and I don't know what I would do without the people there. And, you know, nine or 10 months after I opened my studio, I have to leave it for an indefinite amount of time, depending on how the surgery went. And I think, it was at that time that um, the reality of life kind of hits you and reminds you of what's important. And thankfully, I had yoga to help me through the process of leading up to the surgery, um, dealing with my fears of the surgery. And during the recovery after, I got so sick when I got home. I had the surgery in Monterey. I live at about 7,000 feet. so. Coming home from the surgery, I uh, did not do too well on the recovery. I got, I had a really hard time. So I would just sit on my floor in child's pose and I would just breathe and try to meditate. And my yoga was child's pose and that was it. Um, when I was in the hospital bed and when I came home and I couldn't move and I couldn't sit up and I couldn't take a shower and um, my chest had been cracked open. So you can imagine <laughs> what that limits you to. Um, I would breathe in mantras just to try and help with the pain, um, to help with my mind because there's something that kind of happens when you go through an experience like that, um, that kind of brings you down. 
So uh, I would meditate when I could. Um, I would do child's pose when I could finally get up and down to the floor. Um, and two and a half weeks after I had open heart surgery, I walked to my studio and taught classes. Uh, it probably took me about three times as long to walk there as it normally would have, but that was the only place I wanted to be. The studio was it. Um, the people that were in my studio and surrounded me with all of their support and all of their care during my recovery um, and the things that I've learned through yoga of how to be present, of how to appreciate this life and really feel things in a different way, um, it's absolutely saved my life. Um, so on that note, thanks to my grandfather, Thanks to that first yoga class and thanks to everything that I've been through, I am now living my dream of being able to share yoga with other people. I teach at my studio, I teach at workshops all over the place, I do teacher trainings and there is no other thing that I'd rather be doing except for sharing yoga with the world. Finally, we have Tatiana who opens up on how yoga helped curb her anxiety and planted the seed for her to transform her life. Hi, I'm Tatiana. I'm a yoga teacher based in Beirut, Lebanon, and this is my story. Growing up, I had never been athletic. I signed up for my first yoga class in college out of sheer curiosity thinking that it would be a way to get some exercise without having to face the dreaded gym machines again. I now see it as one of the most serendipitous moments of my life. It felt like I finally scored athletically when, during that first class, I discovered I could reach my hands to the mat in forward folds, and I could reach my toes behind my head in halasana, or plow pose. Not yet knowing that yoga isn't about how bendy your limbs are, I was happy to feel like a success at the gym. I also loved the way I felt after every class, walking out with a spring in my step from the newfound balance and alignment. I didn't realize it at the time, but by showing up on my mat, I was planting the seeds for transformation in other areas of my life. My practice was consistent over the years, but sometimes it fell out of my routine. A turning point came when, as a graduate student, my anxiety exacerbated to a point where it manifested itself in my physical body as an unrelenting tinnitus, creating a vicious cycle of anxiety. Overwhelmed and having not received a clear diagnosis or treatment for the incessant, deafening ringing in my ear, I turned to a local studio in the hope of finding peace and ultimately a cure for my symptoms. From that point on, my discipline and belief in the practice strengthened as my anxiety and tinnitus began to melt away. The more I practiced, the more I was able to cultivate equanimity off the mat, regardless of what was going on externally. What may have started as merely a stretch became so much more. My practice blossomed into a philosophy and lifestyle that I continue to nurture each and every day. On the mat, there's nowhere to hide. Your only task is to face where you are, as you are, and breathe into that space. Only then can you finally let things go. Through yoga, I found my inner warrior of light. It is now my privilege to share the practice with others 
and hopefully contribute to guiding my fellow warriors back to their inner light in even the smallest way. So that's it for the second edition of the Yogi Misfits collaboration with Fierce Calm. I want to thank Chris, Shannon, and Tatiana for sharing their stories. And thank you for joining us. Until the next Yogi Misfits sessions, peace out.